0: The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air across Kentucky with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is your chance to get the latest news and views on your camps. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And you can interact with Tom by tweeting at Report. Or by emailing leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call the drinksword.com hotline, 877-904-1080. Now, here's Tom Leach. Game day for the Kentucky basketball team. And uh, we are glad you are joining us here to talk UK sports for the rest of this hour. We will do that with John Hale from the Courier-Journal. Larry Vaught from Vaught's Views and Brandon Ramsey from KSR. That is our guest lineup for this Tuesday as we roll into the Wildcat News of the Day presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Kentucky takes on Mount St. Mary's at uh, 7 Eastern time tonight. Mount St. Mary's is 1-2. and two. They played one ranked team, and that was Villanova. They lost by 40, 91-51. In their two losses to Villanova and Mount St. Joe's, they averaged 56 points a game. In between, they scored 117 on Washington College. So, there was one, definitely one extreme to the other on the uh, win versus the two losses. Um, so, obviously, a game Kentucky's uh, expected to win handily. Uh, at this point, from game to game, you're watching for development of some of the young guys, among other things, for Kentucky. Uh, Damian Collins was a guy who generated <laughs> excuse me generated some buzz after the game you know, certainly with those dunks but just you know the uh, the way that he played and envisioning what he could bring to the team so you hope that collins bryce hopkins those two guys in particular uh, can gain confidence over the games this month and also start to, to find what their role will be on this team. And I think Collins is pretty clear. They need him to be a defensive presence around the rim first and foremost, and then just run the floor and catch lobs as far as his offense. And anything beyond that would be great. Um, the game Friday night could be a a, a little bit more of a test uh, when Ohio comes in. Ohio's undefeated and played in a tournament last year. They lost some guys off that team, but still it's a uh, – Uh, It will be a much stiffer test on on Friday. So Mount St. Mary's, Kentucky, uh, tonight at Rupp Arena. Uh, Yesterday, Mark Stoops talked to uh, the media and then uh, on the UK Network radio show. uh, No big news items coming out of it. Uh, He did say on the radio show last night that both Austin Dotson and Quinn Wilson are battling some injury issues, nothing major, but said we might get a look at Jagger Burton uh, at that right guard spot on Saturday with, uh, of course, Eli Cox out for the season there. And this pass game was the first time Kentucky didn't have its starting five in the big blue wall intact. They kept the same five for every game up until last Saturday when Dotson uh, got the start at right guard. Uh, hopefully, things go as expected, Jagger Burton won't be the only young guy that you will see. Uh, Stoop said he had hoped to get some of those uh, guys further down the depth chart into the game last Saturday after Kentucky built the 31-3 to lead, but uh, didn't happen with a, a second half that kind of fizzled for the Wildcats. What uh, Stoops was frustrated about was that the defense couldn't get off the field because uh, you had um, two long Vandy drives uh, sandwiched around a long Kentucky drive, and that pretty much was uh, the second half. Those three drives ate up about uh, over 20 of the 30 minutes, I think. UK men's basketball drops to number 13 in the new AP poll. Uh, Women's basketball drops to number 19 after its loss up at Indiana. Uh, Reed Shepard set to announce on Saturday. I think everybody expects that he's going to commit to the University of Kentucky where his dad and his mom both played. Uh, The announcement will come at uh, 9 Eastern time on Saturday for Reed Shepard. Back to football. Kentucky will recognize 22 seniors on saturday at the new mexico state game uh, luke fortner josh ali justin rigg uh, are not going to participate as they went through senior day last year but there are three other names that are not on the list that could be uh, jacques jones levan thomas nasir watkins and uh, stoops was asked about the possibility does that mean that they would be looking to come back for another season? And he said he's not ready to discuss any of those decisions yet for players. And it could be that they haven't made the decision and that uh, that's uh, it's, there's no guarantee that it means that they're definitely coming back. Although, you know, with Thomas in particular, um, he's a, there's a guy that, remember, Liam Cohen was uh, really talking up, really liked what he saw out of Cleveland um, with the new offense, and then Cleveland got injured, so he's a uh, guy that might uh, be able to find his way into the mix if he comes back for another year. See how that? Just have to wait and see how all that plays out. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY. Dot com. We're coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio in Lexington. And our Wildcat News of the Day is presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Live jazz music every night when you enjoy your meal at Giuseppe's, even out on that climate-controlled patio that they added last year. They also added a drive-up window. So if you just want to pick up Giuseppe's to take home, call ahead or order at Giuseppe'sLexington.com. Just swing through the drive it It is easy-peasy from Giuseppe'sLexington.com. We'll be right back. Here. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. That's the top of the hour. We welcome in John Hale to the program from Courier-Journal.com. John, let's just start on your most recent story for the CJ about both scenarios for the Kentucky football team. Uh, Let's assume that they went out and beat New Mexico State and Louisville. What's it look like? Yeah, I mean, that's
1: obviously the first step uh, that we have to add that caveat. But then I think it kind of depends on what happens in the top of the league. Um, all the projections right now, most of them have Kentucky in the Outback Bowl, which I think is, is their top realistic target at this point. But all those projections also have Alabama in the playoff. And obviously, if Alabama were to lose to Arkansas this week or lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game and the committee decides that there's no reason to have a, a second Georgia-Alabama matchup as the 1-4 in the playoff and so they drop Alabama down, uh, that's... Affects everybody else because Alabama will go to the Sugar Bowl. Ole Miss then would have to be in the top ten to get one of those at-large spots in the Peach or Fiesta Bowl. So if that doesn't happen, and Ole Miss falls to the Citrus, then Texas A&M is available in that pool of six, and you know they would probably be ahead of Kentucky in the pecking order for the Outback Bowl. Even if Kentucky's nine and three, and all those teams are above them, um, it'll be an interesting discussion to see if an eight and four. Arkansas team would get the Outback Bowl over Kentucky because, you know, they're ranked right now, depending on what they do against Alabama this weekend. Um, maybe they're still ranked at that point, and so what the pecking order there would be would be an interesting conversation too. But, you know, if Kentucky wins out and Alabama and Ole Miss keep winning, uh, I think you feel good about their, spot, their chances of playing in Tampa.
0: Personally, I think it's Georgia at the top, and then it's Alabama, down at the bottom, it's Vandy, and right above them, South Carolina and Missouri, and the others, including LSU and in Florida, had you know disappointing years. From LSU, Florida, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Arkansas. If there's anybody else I'm missing, it's who's healthy on a given week, who's you know got the momentum, et cetera. I don't think there's a whole lot of difference uh, on on any of those teams. They could. Uh, any of them could beat the other, depending on what the circumstances are. So that being the case, you know, a couple interesting games that could still be, you know, uh, certainly play into the mix here. You got Ole Miss and Mississippi State that will play in the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night, and I believe Texas A&M still has LSU, don't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, so there's no guarantee that everything's going to play out just according to script like uh, like we think it is, because you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that that group of teams there in the middle is so bunched up and they can you know different things could happen each week. Because, I mean, you just look at Kentucky's situation and, you know, they're almost certainly going to be ahead of Mississippi State and Tennessee in terms of preference of where they get to go because the league assigns teams in that pool of six. But, you know, they lost to both those teams head-to-head. So if Kentucky were to lose to Louisville, which is possible if the defense struggles the way it did the two weeks before Vanderbilt, then you're in a situation where you might fall behind those teams, too. It's just such a a tight group right there based on what happens these last two weeks could be a a pretty wide variance in, in scenarios.
0: Kentucky uh, would be a shock, certainly, if it didn't take care of business this Saturday. Uh, So, going to be a lot riding in that Louisville game, and it just goes to show. I mean, we every year, you know, we all talk about you know preseason predictions and all those things, but so much changes not only from the beginning of the year to the end, but even just you know in this last month that uh, you know I think how people look at that you know Louisville Kentucky game uh, is going to be much different than it was a month ago.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Louisville's a team that I don't know that their fans are super excited about how they played this year, but just look at what they did against Syracuse last week and kind of the thought was, you know, it, it's what could have been. They had so many close losses to teams like Wake Forest and Clemson that, you know, they could have had a much better season. And the offense has proven the ability to go out and put up points. And Malik Cunningham, their quarterback, is a really dangerous weapon in terms of a dual threat guy that, you know, obviously Kentucky and a lot of teams have struggled with. Before and then you factor in how Kentucky's defense played against Mississippi State, Tennessee, and that game I think is a, a much bigger toss-up than it was a month ago. And I, if nothing else, uh, I think that the streak of blowouts in that series are probably, is probably going to end. I expect it's going to be much closer than the last three games that were actually played in that series. But you know that rivalry has also taught us that anytime you go into it ex- thinking you know what to expect, you probably
0: are wrong. <laughs> If Kentucky, you know, takes care of business in the last two, then I think, I think the farther fans are removed from the season, the the better they'll feel about, you know, how the season went. I understand the disappointment about the missed opportunity that was there in front of them when they had Mississippi State and Tennessee. But by the same token, what we we're just talking about when you've got a bunch of teams that are about the same, none of none of those teams is probably going to win all of the games against the others.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, I think that the sting of that three-game losing streak obviously changed the perception right now, but if you close it out by, you know, they won comfortably against Vanderbilt, even though people weren't super thrilled about the second half, you got to assume that they're going to win big this weekend just based on how New Mexico State has played. If you could get a win over your rival, especially if it was a comfortable win, and then win your bowl game against probably a good Big Ten team, whether you're in the Outback Bowl or the Music City Bowl or, you know, whatever. Uh, that's a really nice way to end the season, and the perception of that is going to be changed. They're going to, you know, in December have a chance to sign one of their best recruiting classes. All that momentum, I think, would come back really quickly.
0: Uh, you know, I think the, the, so so much of the any frustration that's here for Kentucky football fans really stems from that Tennessee game more than Mississippi State, I would think, right? Just that yeah, it's a rival I mean, and... Look,
1: yeah, definitely. Just, I mean, I think you excuse having one bad performance against Mississippi State, but to be so close against Tennessee and lose it the way they did, with the statistical numbers they put up on offense, I think that
0: that's a lot of it for sure. Yeah, I think if you're a Kentucky fan, you want to think that. And by result, you can say your team has certainly moved ahead of the first Vanderbilt and then Missouri and South Carolina, and you want to say Tennessee, too, that they've moved ahead of, and you can't, uh, you know, when they uh, lose a couple of close ones like they have in the series when they had certainly had a chance to get the win.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you just look at the history of that series, and it just feels like such a missed opportunity the last, you know, seven or eight years because Tennessee has been down, and Kentucky still only has – you know, two wins to show for it in that stretch. And then you look at the way that team's playing and the offense that Josh Eiple's brought there and you start to worry that, you know, maybe they're going to get it back in gear and, and that's no guarantee. So uh, I certainly think until you beat them more regularly, you can't say that you're ahead of them in the pecking order, especially with that new staff appearing to have some momentum there.
0: Let's talk a little Kentucky basketball. Um, these games that uh, Kentucky is in the midst of now, I was saying earlier, I think Ohio will be a better test than than most of these games that they're playing in November. But what's the the mission between now and when they start playing stiffer competition in December?
1: Yeah, I, I still think it's all about figuring out what your best rotation is and how he's going to manage this. I mean, he was uh, Cal was pretty adamant after the game Saturday, and you know, basically as he's been since 2015 that he has no interest in platooning and his best teams play seven or eight guys. But even after CJ Frederick's injury, it seems like they have more players who deserve minutes than minutes available. and So how he he manages that, I think his strategy, what it appears so far, is that it might be different game to game based on who's playing well, how they handle You know, the idea that if you're Damian Collins, you might play two minutes against Duke and then come out and be the star, you know, four days later against Robert Morris or whatever. And and that kind of variance might be there throughout this whole stretch of November games. So I think they need to have an idea of of what guys they can really count on and what their roles are and how they all fit together and and see if some of those players further down the bench, whether it's, you know, Bryce Hopkins or Dante Allen or Lance Ware whoever it is, if those guys are going to be significant contributors in the rotation or if you can just zero in on the guys ahead of them and and really
0: figure out how that group plays together. And I think that works as long as you are having success. Not that you have to win every game, but as long as you're winning most of them, then nobody's going to be, you know, nobody will say it, but nobody's happy when they're not playing as much as they want to. But they'll be okay with that if the team's doing well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's how the platoon thing worked in 2014 They were just destroying people, so nobody got upset about it. And even that year, by the end of the year, he wasn't platooning. He was, you know, he had a rotation and guys like Marcus Lee and Dakari Johnson weren't playing nearly as much as they were at the beginning. Uh, but they were really successful, so nobody complained. So I think that that's you know, the number one step for sure. And you hope that these games in November against lesser opponents give you the chance to build that momentum and all that you know good feeling within the locker room. So when you do play better teams in December, uh, you have that base to build on.
0: You read the uh, story about the bowl scenarios and all the other UK coverage in career-journal.com from John Hale. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. It's uh, at John Hale underscore CJ on Twitter. By the way, going to get to a break. Come back. Larry Vaught will join the program a little later. Rainer Ramsey from KSR. It's the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We were at the Palomar location yesterday for the Monday Morning Quarterback Show with Freddie. Whether it's Hamburg or Palomar, you're going to get the same outstanding breakfast, brunch, or lunch at Wild Eggs. We'll be right back. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. It's Leech Report, Tuesday edition, and that means Larry Vaught joins the program. So Reed Shepard's announcing where he is going to play college basketball comes Saturday morning at 9. Is uh, is there anybody that's going to say it's anybody but Kentucky.
2: I sure wouldn't think so, Tom. Uh, I mean, I just can't imagine him announcing before the start of his junior season that he's going to play anywhere but Kentucky. Now it's not me knowing anything other than just anticipating that it. it wouldn't make great sense to me if he thought you maybe are going somewhere else to announce it, but then again, you, you know the Shepherd family as well as I do when they make a decision, they usually don't aren't going to string people out or hide it or anything like that. So once he made his decision. I can see him going ahead and having the announcement, but I, I just can't imagine it being anywhere but Kentucky, especially since he's doing it before the start of the youth camp there at, at North Laurel, so all those youngsters around can see it and all. So I think a lot of them are Kentucky fans too.
0: Um, I can't. It's about thirty seconds here, so just tell me if there's anybody quickly that comes to mind. A legacy recruit like this, that is this good. Any any comparison you can think of?
2: Not right off the top of my head. There's, I couldn't there think of not, any either.
0: Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, and even in other sports, there's, you know, probably somebody that uh, we're missing, but <clears throat> nobody comes to mind. I mean, you've got, you know, sons of, of well, former players, but, you know, well, a five star.
2: Maybe Dane Key would be close.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, in football, Dane's very highly rated. That's a good, good idea. Uh, we're going to be. Coming up on the bottom of the hour break here. So we'll take that come back. More with Larry Vaught in just a moment. It's the Leech Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. We're back with Larry Vaught from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio here in Lexington. Return, refresh and refuel and Larry and uh, Anthony white Jack Pilgrim hosts the Sunday morning sports talk show here in the Lexington market from the Clark's pump and shop that's downtown across from Rupp arena. Larry was talking about, you know, legacy uh, players and uh, it's a good day. a good one. We opened up to other sports. I was just thinking about Kentucky basketball. Um, I looked at uh, John Scott's site, which is a big blue great historical reference site. There's not a particular category for what we're talking about, but one name did pop up as I was going through here. The Feldhaus family. You know. Uh Allen oh, yeah. was a good player here and then Darren.
2: Yeah, and and I just saw one on on, on Twitter, uh Anthony Epps and
0: well, yeah, that's right. Two different teams, but yeah, that, that's a good. That's a real good idea. Yeah, yeah, because Michaela was a very highly rated player. Uh, so if you uh, go outside of of the sport we're talking about, you know, with Jeff and and Reed, it's you know both within men's basketball. But yeah, that's that's a really good one. Yeah, that's from Vinny. Uh, well done. Um, yeah.
2: But at, le- at least we'll know Saturday what what's going on with him and. Uh, it won't create any, any more of a buzz, I don't think, for North Laurel because there's been such a buzz about Reed Shepherd and, and North Laurel anyway. I think they were going to play in front of packed houses all this year, no no matter what. So, but if he picks Kentucky, it's probably it's going to be packed even more. Yeah, and
0: uh, you know he'll have to to gear up. Sure, he's probably already been getting this anyway. Of you know, you know, it's like Cal always talks about Kentucky's everybody's Super Bowl. Well, you know, Reed Shepherd's going to be feeling that too.
2: Yeah, that's, that's exactly right, but I think Reed and his teammates kind of relish that, and I think they'll be excited to have people back, and I think it'll be a terrific season, and I'm looking forward to having a chance to see him play several times, I hope.
0: Yeah, same here. Uh, let's uh, t- get to another basketball topic. Um, and uh, saw you wrote about this at vaultsvues dot com. You um, were on a show with uh, Chris Dorich, a friend from Blue Room College Basketball Yearbook, talking about Shaden Sharp and you know if he might play this season for Kentucky. And Chris had an interesting take.
2: Yeah, I always kind of like to Chris's perspective because he's really good with uh, his basketball insights. But yet he's not so tied into this one school that he doesn't have maybe a broader perspective than what what I would. And, and he kind of wondered about if, if, if Shaden did play, what it might do chem- chemistry-wise to, to, to the team since all these other guys have been together since June. And he brought up the idea that maybe John Calipari would kind of leave it up to the guys on the team about whether he, he should play or not play. If that's just something that Calipari is, is wondering about and maybe would we'll let them have a say in whether he does or doesn't play i never really thought about something like that happening but that that could be an easy way to handle the situation and i I just think the speculation with Shadens gonna it's gonna be a lot of speculation for the next six or seven months no matter what happens
0: no you're right about that and and anytime they lose a game it'll start probably
2: yeah And, and then you throw in about Will he go to the draft or will he not? And some will say, "Well, the rules indicate that he's not eligible," and we both know that the life when you, when you can file exceptions or and find things. So, no matter what anybody is saying right now about what may or may not happen with the draft, it's a long time till June.
0: So, with these games in November, um, Kentucky's obviously going to be expected to to win them all, uh, convincingly. There's like the Ohio game Friday, I think, could be a, a, you know it. Uh, Stiffer test than most of the others. So, what will you be looking to see if you're expecting Kentucky to go? You're going in to win them.
2: I, I think just seeing how how, how the chemistry and, and the roles play out, how how John starts fitting pieces together, who plays together, who, who who plays significant minutes every game, how he kind of seems like he's developing his rotation, and then I think I want to see how. Uh, Damien and um, and Bryce both have a chance to develop. I still think they are both got a chance to be really, really good players. We, we got a glimpse of Damien the other night, but don't forget that all through the preseason, all we heard about is how the Bryce offense might have been the best player in practice that they have, and, and, and we really haven't seen that from him yet. But I want to see with, with those. And then I think the thing I'm wondering about, Tom, is just exactly what is Davion Mintz's role going to be because I've, I've got to be i'm, I'm a pretty big Mintz fan and i think he just does a lot of things sometimes that don't always show up in the in the box score and, and i'm anxious to see how how he's going to fit in and how much he's going to fit in each game because that's a pretty crowded backcourt they got there
0: Yeah, you know it, it most definitely is one thing with hopkins uh this cal mentioned this in one of our pregame uh, chats recently he said there was a stretch where bryce was one of the best players on the court in their practices. And he said he missed, he shot a couple of air balls, not against Kentucky Wesleyan. I was down in Starkville, so I didn't get to see the game. But he said he shot a couple of air balls and that seemed to, to bother him a little bit and, uh, kind of hit a little bit of a wall there. So they're, uh, you know, getting him to kind of make sure, just, you know, play through those things. No big deal. It happens. And, um, you know, just keep playing with that high motor. And so that's the, the challenge, uh, for him because I think the, the you know at 220 he brings a little physicality that a lot of the other guys don't have so they from Bryce's standpoint i think he he should understand the door is open there's you know the, the coach wants you to step through it so he's got a great opportunity this month
2: yeah cuz he could provide kind of a physical body to go along with Oscar that i think they could use but when you look at that group of Toppin Brooks and Hopkins i mean that's three very different and interesting type players and myself, even though John said he didn't want it this way, it just seems to me like different games it could be a different one of those guys that may be who you need the most on that on that given night and I know he says John says he didn't want that because he don't want guys thinking he thinks that women guys are inconsistent if he can't put them in that seven man or eight man rotation every night, but it just seems to me he might have to have a different seven or eight man rotation from game to game depending on what it is because I don't know who who you're going to leave out of the rotation. And just say okay, most games you guys aren't going to get to play because they just got a lot of good players there. And as you said, they just each add different things, and on a different night, you might need.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, makes a lot of sense. Let's talk a little football um, this Saturday. Uh, you know, Kentucky is going to be a massive favorite to win this game. Uh, they need to make sure. It, the last time Kentucky and New Mexico State played, it was reminding. Uh, coach stoops of this last night it was really the start of the steven johnson era because drew barker was injured right at the start of that new mexico state game and didn't really play again and steven came on and uh went on to have a you know a great uh, couple of years here it was also the first game that we saw a lot of benny snell so it kind of launched the benny snell era but it was a close game for a while, and they don't need this one to be anything like that Chattanooga game earlier this year. They need to come out, take care of business, and uh, keep taking care of business so a lot of young guys get to
2: play. Yeah, they need to do what they did at Vanderbilt, but then just keep pouring it on, like, and, and not let up on either side of the ball. After they get out to a big start like that, you don't want. They don't need this one to be anything that could take away from any confidence going into the game against Louisville, which each week it looks like it's going to be more difficult than what you thought maybe the week before. So, yeah, they need to make a statement again for their own confidence, I think, and and put this thing away and let some of those younger guys have a chance to get out there and and play. And it would really be nice. I thought for sure they were going to get to against Vanderbilt, and they didn't. But uh, some guys, this is going to be their last home game, and you would like to see them go out with a – big bang. And again, I know I have to even catch myself sometimes thinking, oh, that win over Vandy. just They didn't finish out. So I think, yeah, but seven and three. How many times have I been, been able to sit here in my lifetime and say they were seven and three? Not many. And I even went back and looked, and people were saying, well, the schedule's this, the schedule's that. I'm pretty sure I'm right. When I look at in 2018, when they won 10, they only ended up with one win over a ranked team, and that was a win at Florida.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh one other thing I, I think that I'll be watching for Saturday, Marquand McCall got a about fifteen to twenty snaps uh in this Vanderbilt game. Um I hope he can get a little more than that and, and be even more productive uh with them because for looking ahead to the Louisville game, that would be a, a huge development if you're somewhere close to I mean you're not gonna be hundred percent, but if you're, you know, somewhere in shouting distance of 100% for Marquand McCall, that would make a massive difference for Kentucky's defense against Louisville.
2: Yeah, it would, and especially knowing that both uh, Rodgers and Hayes have been beat up, according to Mark Stoops, and dealing with some nagging-type injuries that are that are kind of hampering them a little bit, too. So to get Marquand back to where he could play a substantial number of snaps, that would be a big, big thing. And, and I thought he looked pretty good on the plays that he did Mm-hmm. I don't know I if they just didn't want to chance anymore or what, but, yeah, I would like to see him be able to get that that many or maybe a few bit more this week so that for Louisville he's full go.
0: Larry Vaught, thank you much. All right, Tom. Vaughtsviews.com and yoursportsedge.com is where you can find Larry Vaught's work and at VoughtsViews on Twitter. Take a break. Brandon Ramsey will join us. Talk a little Kentucky basketball. We'll be coming right back on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom TomLeachKY. KY. 12 away from the top of the hour on our Tuesday edition of the Leach Report. We're joined by Brandon Ramsey. You read him at KentuckySportsRadio.com, breaking down Kentucky basketball. So, uh, Brandon, let's talk a little bit about what you've seen through two games. And obviously the the most insight is going to come out of the Duke matchup. So uh, give me some of your early takes on this Kentucky team.
3: Hey, it's just been really interesting to see, um the, the differences and, you know, the, the obvious defense or differences from, from last year's group. And, you know, certainly that's a, that's a welcome change, but, <laughs> yeah. just seeing how much, seeing how much Severe Wheeler has, has kind of changed the game for this Kentucky team in, in, in terms of the pace they're able to play at, in terms of the open shots they're able to get. You know, he's, just, he's just generating so many more easy plays and easy scoring opportunities, something that we just never really got to see last year because we didn't have those playmakers where everything essentially had to just work out perfectly in the half court for last year's team to score. Now, not only are there more weapons, but things just happen so much more fluidly and easier. And a big part of that, too, is when you have a guy that can get 10 offensive rebounds a game, like he has so far, that's given you you know, even a second chance when, when maybe you have somebody miss a shot or, or or whatever. So the thing that is happening is so much easier on the offensive end. Obviously, it didn't work out perfectly how people would have drawn it up against Duke in terms of winning or losing, but I, I still think that moving forward, there's a lot of really, really um, encouraging things that, that we've been able to see on the offensive end. Uh,
0: by the way, for our listeners that uh, don't know, you come to this from a coaching background, right, Brandon?
3: Yes, yeah, I've spent six years as a Division three basketball coach, so yes, I have do have a coaching background as well.
0: Give me your thoughts on Ty Ty Washington, because I wonder if he is still going through a little bit of an adjustment phase, not having the ball maybe in his hands as much as he was used to in, in high school and AAU.
3: He definitely is, and you can see that, especially with the way, and Coach Calipari talked about it. You know, it sounded like going into that Duke game, he, he wanted Ty Ty to – Trying to be the guy, and you know, he, he wanted him to take some of those tough shots because through the evaluation process and some of the preseason, it looked like he was a guy that was going to make some of those shots. And, and I think he will going forward, but hey, you know, he's a, he, he has, he, he has a little bit of size, you know, he's three, but he's still a, you know, it's not like he's a, he's a hulking presence like a Trevor Keels or somebody like that. So I think some of the physicality, especially against a team like Duke, you know, he's still catching up to it. And, and you're right, you know, he, He's a guy that, that in high school at you he was creating on the ball a lot more than he's going to be asked to this year. And now, the, the way I evaluated him, I thought that was going to be really good for him. I I think that he can be better, sort of as a secondary playmaker or a secondary ball handler. That's a lot to make some plays that way. But but obviously, you know, Xavier Wheeler is going to dominate the ball, and I think Ty Ty's still kind of learning how to fit in with that and. and and that's why these next several games are so important, is because you know, he has an opportunity to sort of ride the roller coaster of figuring some things out and figure out how to make some shots at the college level. And and if it doesn't work out, we're probably going to be fine for these next six or so games. But then, as he does develop, you know, and get more ready to be that player we want to be, then it'll be time for the for the competition level to step up.
0: Yeah, I think back to a, a player like uh, Brandon Knight is uh, somebody that uh, yeah. took a, a little while to find his footing, uh, but you know, at the midway point of the year, he's been really down the stretch, he was uh, usually the best player on the court. Right. Absolutely,
3: and I, and I think that's the trajectory that, that 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 we have to kind of be patient for with with ty You know, it's. Some guys just develop at different paces, and and hey, you know, it's two games. One of them was what was against one of the best teams in the country. So, you know, I'm not even so sure that it's you know necessarily fair for us to to sit here and even talk about it at this point. But hey, you know, Kentucky basketball,
0: and that's that's what we do. So <laughs> it's true. One of the and Cal's always a guy who you know coaches his players. You know, if you get in that lane, just throw the ball up on the the board. If you even if you can't make the shot, he doesn't care. The because the worst thing is to get the shot blocked. He says, you know, if you get it up on the board, our guys have a chance to get it. And that's never been more true than it's going to be this season with Oscar Sheboy. The worst thing that can happen is where Kentucky players happen to wheeler a couple, two or three times against Duke, is to get your shot blocked. Because if you yeah. get it up on the board, there's a good chance that uh, your team may get it back.
3: Right. Well, yeah. It, it, and, and I think that was one of the big uh, differences between that Duke game and, and the Robert Morris game with Sabir Wheeler. And now, you know, Again, the caveat's always going to be, you know, it's, it's Trevor Morris and not Duke. We, we, we understand the, the difference in, in level there, but the, the, the reason that, that, that Wheeler was able to cut down on some of those turnovers was that against Duke, there were times where he was over penetrating. He was getting himself kind of under the basket. And when, when you're five nine or whatever, that's a really hard place to be sometimes. And, and I think he started making some earlier decisions. Against Robert Morris, whether that be taking it out to a shooter or, like you said, just get it up there. And you know, sometimes we've seen Sabir make some kind of crazy left-handed layups. You know, so if he gets it up there; he's going to make some. But hey, when he misses it, you got Oscar Sheeway there, who's going to be ready to to get the majority of the misses. And you know, that that, that seems crazy to say. And I, and I know because you know, he's not going to keep up the pace of twenty-two offensive rebounds through two games. But you know, he's still a guy. You know, traditionally, like he's going to get. 30 plus percent of misses when he's on the floor. So, you know, he he's just a really high level rebounder and that that that's a nice saving grace for some other guys as they drive the basket.
0: Do you think he'll develop more of a of a post game offensively?
3: It would be really nice and, and and I think to 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 reach, you know, whatever the ceiling may be for Kentucky this year, he probably needs to be able to, you know, at least, you know, just hey, put throw it in there and score a little right-handed baby hook over your left shoulder does he need to be able to do that yes um i i think he can like coach cow keeps talking about his touch and you know even being able to make a little face-up jump shot i'm not so sure i'm ready to see that yet but you know i i I think some of those things probably are um in in his repertoire just because he is so big and strong that like this there's no reason why he shouldn't be a guy that you can throw it to he can take one or two hard dribbles and, and get it up there. And the same thing goes with him, too. It's like, hey, if, if he misses it, he might get his own rebound, too, and then you will dunk it. So I, I, I do think that throwing it to him sometimes um,
0: can be good. You can read him at KentuckySportsRadio.com for uh, breakdowns on Kentucky basketball games. Brandon Ramsey, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. We month. will close out this edition of the Leech Report when we come right back. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Got a note from... Reggie Hanson yesterday, the former Wildcat player, coach, said he always makes a point to stop at Wild Eggs when he's in town, so, so you should follow Reggie's lead. Do the same. We'll be right back. This day of Wildcat history, 1974, Kentucky beat Sugar Bowl-bound Florida 41-24. Kentucky got rolling late in that season, and uh, Vanderbilt on one Saturday they beat when the Commodores were headed to the Peach Bowl, and the next Saturday, Florida came in headed to the Sugar Bowl already, and Kentucky beat them convincingly. And unfortunately, they came up short against the Vols the next week when they were playing for a Liberty Bowl bid. Uh, Mike Fiduzzi got hurt, their star quarterback, uh, right at the start of the game. Uh, condolences to the family of uh, Larry Hopkins, the longtime Kentucky congressman from the 6th District here in central Kentucky. Uh, has passed at the age of 88. His uh, son, Josh Hopkins, uh, an actor and uh, uh, big-time uh, cat fan. And uh, had a chance to visit a few times with, uh, with Larry over the years. And whether you agreed or with him or not politically, he was a good man. And uh, big cat fan and always enjoyed uh, visits with uh, Congressman Hopkins. So sad to hear about his passing. Uh, that'll do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you